officially open. This is draft season. John Schmoke and Tony Pauline back with you. Happy holidays, everybody. We are getting towards the end of 2023, gearing up for the 2024 NFL draft. Some declarations, some senior bowl invitations. We have a lot of stuff to talk about, Twitter questions, and then we're going to continue going through our 2023 draft cast players on defense, which will go a lot faster uh, than the offensive side of the ball. So, Tony, how are you? You ready to roll? Let's do it, John. Hit, hit the other side of the field, the other side of the line of scrimmage, and talk about these uh, defensive rookies, some who have really stood out. Yeah, they really have, and I think you have to start on the defensive line where we've had some of those standout players, Tony, and I think you have to start with Jalen Carter. I think yeah. both of us had him as our top player on, on the board last year in terms of talent and grade, just dominant, and it was the off-the-field stuff that had people concerned yeah. and worried, but his on-the-field production has been as dominant as I think we thought it could have been, and for a defensive tackle to do that in his rookie year at a position where it sometimes takes some time, for these guys to round into form, he's been as advertised. And credit to the Eagles. I mean, they did it more than a decade ago with Deshaun Jackson, a guy who had a lot of off-the-field issues. Yeah. Did it with Jordan Davis. I mean, you bring a guy in, you get him out of his element, <clears throat> you get him around other players. And listen, Carter, like you said, was the number one player on the on most everybody's draft board. And there was a question of, were the Bears going to select him with the number one pick? And then that story broke with all the with the off the field issues, or, or the I should say the concerns with the uh, that tragic car accident uh, at, at the combine. I remember I was we were at the combine when that story broke, and then there were some other issues that he was a guy who got by on natural ability, didn't work that hard. But I mean, this is the Jalen Carter that we expected to see. This is the guy that was graded number one in the draft. This was the guy that. You know, the Bears passed on and then traded down twice, actually, from the number one pick and then traded down again uh, with Philadelphia so they could uh, get up and grab him. And it's good to see. I mean, it's good to see that, you know, the light has gone on for Carter and he's really, you know, being more than just a real good athlete on the football field. He's working hard and everything's clicking for him. And then two other defensive tackles, Tony, and these were both day, uh, day well, Benton was a day two pick, Keanu Benton, who's with the with the Steelers, and Kalijah Kansi. Um, he was a first-round pick. You know, two very different players, but both of them have been pretty effective this year in the roles they've been asked to play. I, I think Benton has done well in that situation. You didn't know if he's going to hold up at nose tackle. He's done very well at that position. He's, he's had 33 tackles. He started more than half the season. I, I think uh, it's been a big win for, for him. And Kansi, like you said, different type of player. He's more of a one-gap type of three-technique tackle. Had some more... Uh, preseason injuries had a hamstring injury which really set him back but there were a lot of people including myself who weren't really <clears throat> sold on Kansi because of the fact that he was a bit one-dimensional but he was explosive he was quick plays with great leverage and he plays very hard and he's proven that uh on Sunday yeah I was concerned about his power too Tony you know all his wins were quickness he didn't really run through guys at all you wondered how he'd hold up there in an NFL season, and, and he's done, I think, better than I thought he would, especially in his first year. Uh, one other guy that I thought has done pretty well is uh, Tui, Tui Pelotu, who yeah. was uh, also a day-two pick. I know both of us loved his motor uh, coming out last year, and he has turned out to be a, a very solid player. Real good pass rusher, a guy who gets a lot of penetration, a disruptive force. <clears throat> they use him standing over tackle. They use him out of a three-point stance. You know, it, it's it, the fact that Boza had an injury. Now he's the only guy out there. They, they can key on him, but he's done exceptionally well. And there was talk early on that he could be a late first-round pick, fell into the second round, 
and he's done an exceptional job in a variety of ways. Not just the pass rusher. If you watch him play, he's got a good change of direction, makes plays in backside pursuit. And really, he's only going to get better as he physically matures and gets bigger and stronger. Because remember, he came out as a uh, as an underclassman. So he's a younger guy, and I think his best football is ahead of him. All right, let's go out to the edge now, Tony, unless there's another defensive tackle you want to mention. You know, the other guy that you got to mention is, you know, and we're going to talk about, we talked about uh, Steve Avila la- uh, last week. I mean, again, the, the Rams did it with Kobe Turner. Uh, the, the Wake Forest player who a guy who transferred from Richmond, went to Wake Forest, had a solid senior year, went to the Shrine game, blew it up at the Shrine game. More, again, sort of like your Kalijah Cansey, one gap, three technique tackle. But a guy who, for where he was taken, a lot of people were surprised he went in the third round, has had a real good season. Yeah, and, you know, we're going to switch over to the edge now. And you mentioned the Rams. And he was yeah. even on my initial list, but you mentioned the Rams. And I think it kind of... Uh, reminded me of this player. It's someone we talked a lot about last year, and the Rams did not have any high picks last year, but in round three, they took Byron Young at a Tennessee, Tony, and he has, a re- revelation might be a little strong, but he's been a really, really good player for them this year. They've had to rely on a lot of young players on defense, and Byron Young, quite frankly, has been one of them, and he's done a really nice job for them coming out as a rookie. He's done an exceptional job for him. I mean, he's a guy who, he, you know, that same quickness and explosion that we saw at Tennessee and then we saw at the senior bowl. I mean, he, he's been unstoppable at times. He was he was so good that two weeks into camp, the Rams penciled him in as a starter. And, you know, you look at the Rams, you said they had no high picks. Well, that's because they traded them all, you know, for the Stafford and the J, all these other Jalen all these other players. And, you know, they really didn't care about the draft. Now they've found that they have to rebuild and they've done a great job with, you know, mid later round picks, late day two picks. And, and Byron Young is one of them. Somebody I talked to somebody in the league. They said the only reason Byron Young was not a first round pick is because he's 25 years yeah, old. Older and they feel, they feel that he's tapped out. But heck, you know, even if he's tapped out, he's done an exceptional job creating a lot of pressure up the field. Very tough to stop and good for Young and good for the Rams. Yeah, really nice job uh, by both Young and the Rams. Again, those 25-year-olds, people worry about that, but he stepped in. He's done a really nice job. Of course, one of the top players in the entire draft last year, Tony, certainly the top edge guy, was Will Anderson. And he's come in. You know, I still don't know about the price Houston paid to, to move up to take him. But at the very least, he's certainly shown the league and everyone else why Houston wanted to go up to number three to draft him. He's been pretty darn good on the edge. Real leader on the field and in the locker room. This is a guy, I believe it was like week three, his teammates voted him as team captain. So that says something about him. I know he's been nicked up at times, yep. but still, you know, we knew he was a great player, a guy who can rush the passer, did it for three years at Alabama. His sophomore year, the numbers were off the charts. Good change of direction. And again, I, I think it's also one of the reasons that they traded up to get him was because of the leadership and what he showed during the interviews. And that's proven. Because, because as I said, early in the season, his teammates voted him as team captain, which says a lot for a guy who wasn't even in the league for uh, wasn't had not even played a month of regular season games at that point. Yeah, a couple other guys I want to mention here. Two guys that one I would consider a disappointment. That's Tyree Wilson for the Raiders. Tony, he was picked seventh overall. He really hasn't done much of anything this year. And look, we knew about the physical tools. He only had one year of, of real production at Texas Tech. And then, you know, Lucas Van Ness got picked at 13. Both of us thought that was a little high. He was raw. 
Uh, he's flashed physical ability, but I think that's going to be a couple-year process to kind of get him up and running. I mean, Wilson <clears throat> came into the draft with an injury. I think yep. it was a surprise but, that the Raiders took him uh, with, with number seven. So, uh, And again, you know, like Van Ness, great size, great speed, great computer numbers, but Van Ness wasn't even, was not even a consistent starter in Iowa. So when you took these guys, you had to know there were going to be bumps in the road. Maybe they turn out to be really productive, really dynamic defenders down the road. But based on their college film and the, you know, the inconsistency and with Wilson, you know, the injury, you had to know you weren't, at least I felt that you weren't going to get a lot of uh, production out of them as rookies. And Van Ness, I was never very high on. You know, you know, he's more bark than bite. Maybe he turns out to be that player, but he was never a really consistent force or a consistent starter on an Iowa defense. And then Will McDonald got picked yeah. uh, just one selection after Van Ness did by the Jets. Two selections, sorry. Van Ness went 13, and Will McDonald went number 15. Yeah. And he's part of a, a pass rush by committee, but I think when he's been out there, Tony, we've seen that pass rush ability, which made the Jets pick him at 15th overall. I mean, I guess uh, I, I can't disagree with you. You talk to people in the league. They say he's going to be a very good player. He's got to get a little bit bigger. He's got to little, get a little bit stronger, but they like the flashes. I, I'm not down on Will McDonald, the player. I just think it was a luxury pick and an unnecessary pick for the New York Jets, who are in a win-now mode, really needed offensive linemen. If you remember, they sat around. They let the Steelers move up and uh, take Broderick Jones, who's doing a good job from at right tackle. Uh, you know, a, a team like the they also need a receivers. You saw you were watching what Jackson Smith and Gigba's doing. Will McDonald will be a good player in two or three years. I just don't uh, understand the fit there for a team that was in a win now mode. Uh, Keon White, I think, has shown exactly what you expect um, in terms of him playing in New England, kind of a power rusher. The other guy I want to mention is BJ Ojolari, Tony, who I thought dropped a little bit in the draft. I loved his tape. Uh, he dealt with an injury pretty much all offseason. I don't even think he played in the preseason. Um, in the NFL, but he's really come on and he's shown those pass rushing chops that we saw on tape at LSU. Big thing guy, <clears throat> underclassman. So you had to know that, you know, he was going to have to get bigger. He was going to have to get stronger and he was going to have to get used to playing at that bigger, stronger weight. So again, sort of like Van Ness, sort of like Will McDonald, Ojalari was a guy that, you know, when you watched him play at LSU, he was very athletic and he was more than just a pass rusher. He could drop off the line. He covered a lot of area in space he could get down the line of scrimmage and pursuit with that speed but it was just a matter of getting accustomed to the size and the strength on sunday i think over time ojulari could be a real outstanding pick just as long as he stays healthy and is able to play at a heavier weight all right let, let's jump to inside linebacker here tony uh jack campbell he was the first linebacker off the board a first round pick by the detroit lions and obviously you know year one for linebackers in this league where Basically, offenses in a lot of ways are designed to pick on linebackers. You're going to have moments that aren't the best. But I think Campbell has shown the Lions exactly what they wanted when they picked him. And I think all the evidence is out there that he's going to be a solid pro. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a surprise pick. You know, no one really thought that Jack Campbell was going to go as early as he did. But, you know, he was a, he was, he was really solid in all areas. He was well-developed. He wasn't dynamic. He wasn't that impact player but he could play against the, he was a terrific run defender. He was good in pursuit. He was outstanding or he was very competent. I should say not outstanding in, in coverage. So you were getting a, a complete three down linebacker. He was kind of boring, if you will. You know, when you compare him to say the Will McDonald's, he didn't have that dynamic uh, persona about his game, but he was just really good in every area. 
and that's what the Lions are getting. Yeah, a player that wasn't boring is a guy that wasn't even drafted, but we did yeah. talk about him a fair amount during the process last year, and that's Ivan Pace, Tony. We saw him at the Senior Bowl, runs around like a lunatic, fast, violent, athletic, but he was just 5'10", I think 2'10", yep. or 215, really undersized linebacker, was a great blitzer in college, and that's carried over, and he, I think, very fortunate he wound up in a defense that does like to blitz a lot. Didn't really run all that fast in the lead up to the uh, to the draft. So you had a guy who was small, or at least he was short, didn't run super fast. But when you watch the film in college at Cincinnati, he played like his hair was on fire. He was a guy who was constantly around the ball, constantly making plays. And he's a guy who just defies the measurables. He plays a lot bigger and a lot faster. He's football fast. A lot of it is the instincts he's got it going on between the ears. And, you know, good for him. Uh, I mean, because he's taken uh, he's taken uh, hold of his opportunity. I believe he's got 77 tackles this season. He's constantly around the uh, action, you know, sells out to make plays. That's what he was in college. With Ivan Pace, it's just a situation that he didn't meet the measurables. He didn't have the computer numbers that teams want. Took a flyer on him in the, uh, as, as a PFA, uh, undrafted free agent, and, and it's worked for him. Yeah, you know, Brian Flores loves to blitz with Minnesota, so he certainly is fit in there, something he did well in college. Let's go to cornerback here, Tony. Unless there's any other linebackers you want to bring up before we move on. Nope, no, none other. Perfect. Let's go to the defensive backs here. Uh, first few defensive backs selected, I really think, except for one, and we'll get to that, you have to be happy with what they've shown you so far, Tony. Before he got hurt, Christian Gonzalez was playing a high brand of football Devin Witherspoon's dealing with an injury. When he's played, he's been phenomenal. Yeah. And then even Brian Branch, who I know is a safety, but he's like really more of a inside slot cornerback. He was another pick by the Lions in this draft. He's played extremely well. And then throwing Joey Porter Jr., he didn't start the year for Pittsburgh. They like to bring their rookies around slowly. We saw that with the offensive tackle we talked about last week. But since he's been in there, he's played really good football, really good early returns for those four players, which are four of the top five DBs picked. Yeah, I think with Porter, it's a situation where he's got to learn not to hold receivers because that's going to be a penalty, especially on Sunday. And that was the big knock on him. And he's starting to do that. He's a big physical guy. He's very athletic, excellent bloodlines. And he's really showing why a lot of us thought he was going to be the third or fourth cornerback, a first round pick off the board last year. And he and he fell. Weatherspoon was phenomenal. I mean, when he's on the field, he is phenomenal. Uh, he sort of like Sauce Gardner from a year ago in his play and his ability to make plays and his ability to shut down the opponents. Christian Gonzalez was really good from the get-go before the injury. And it's kind of interesting because Bill Belichick usually likes to redshirt his rookie players. Not he, him. Christian Gonzalez was so good from the get-go. He had to put him on the field. Brian Branch is a guy who I loved. I mean, I loved him throughout the process. I loved this tape. The only thing about Brian Branch was he ran a 4-5-8 at the combine. So where do you draft a guy with 4-5-8 at the combine? You can't draft a defensive back. You can't draft him in the first round. But as we're seeing, as we talked about with Ivan Pace, you know, Brian Branch may not be 40 fast, but he's football fast. And he's yeah. got it going on between the ears. He's very instinctive. And he's a terrific safety with outstanding ball skills that you can line up over the slot receiver. And he's not going to be a liability. So good for Brian Branch. Now, different type of safety, by the way. But I think we're seeing that with Kyle Hamilton, too, right? The Ravens are putting him in a right spot. He didn't run all that well. His athleticism wasn't great. But I think with the safety position, so much of this is instincts and being able to read things and get there quickly and react and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously, he Branch and, and um, 
they're very different players in terms of where they play on the field and stuff like that. But just, you know, instincts and football fast. Those things are, are really important, Tony. One first round corner that we did not mention because he has not really met expectations for Washington this year. That's Emmanuel Forbes. He did start for them at corner to begin the year. Did not play well. He had to get benched. He's been playing more since. Uh, they brought him back into the lineup. But we all thought he was a little early at 16, getting picked ahead of Christian yeah. Gonzalez. A lot of ball production in college. Very slender player. And it's been a little bit of a rough go for him to start his NFL career. I think he's got a huge number of pass defenses if you look at the stats. But I'm not surprised by this. I never I never understood the, the love for Emmanuel Forbes. He was a tall, thin guy. And you knew he was going to get beaten down on Sundays. I, I mean, he was more, in my opinion, he was more opportunistic on the college level than he was a real good quarterback. And like you said, yeah, when they took him at 16, it was it was a major surprise. And when you have a need at the cornerback position and you take a guy at 16, you expect him to be starting, uh, you know, early on. And Forbes can't even break into the starting lineup, which is a major red flag. We'll see what happens. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of changes in that Washington organization. I'm not surprised because I never at any point in time bought into the love for Forbes. Yeah, picked the selection before Christian Gonzalez and obviously Joey Porter Jr. went at the top of round two. So um, disappointing returns there so far. Two of the guys I want to mention, DJ Turner. If I remember, Tony, he was one of your favorites, right? Yeah. He's played a lot this year. He has given up some plays this year. Your thoughts on him as a later round pick. And then Mekhi Blackman has played a lot too. And I think he's had some success early in his NFL career. Yeah, Mackie Beckton has played uh, relatively well for the Minnesota Vikings, who seem eternally in, in need of, of a cornerback. So I think that's a good fit there. So he started two games, um, but for a guy who was selected where he was, he's got a good amount of upside. He's just got to get his feet underneath him. And DJ Turner, I mean, DJ Turner's a lot of people thought he could go late first round. I don't know, he's a starting corner, but he's going to be, he's a real good nickelback. He's a feisty guy who's constantly around the ball. I mean, you're going to have those bumps in the road, but still, where Cincinnati got him late in the second round compared to the production that they've gotten back from him. I think mean, that's turned out to be a real good pick. All right. And then safety Jordan battle. He's played well. And I think we all kind of saw him, you know, he didn't test great. We talk right. about safeties, but he's been solid. He was a good all around player at Alabama. And I think he's shown that early in his NFL career as well. More of your traditional strong safety. If there is such a thing, a guy who's big and physical a guy who can play in the box fires up the field, you know, you, you look at his numbers, his numbers reflect that. Not the fastest guy, as you said, not a sideline to sideline guy, but more of a downhill safety who's done who's done very well. All right. And I'm gonna bring up one of the rookie here, Tony. Unless you want do you have any other defenders you want to bring up before I give my last little wild card here? Undrafted uh safety out of Rutgers, Christian Isian, who's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, here's a guy who is sort of the he's undersized, he was five nine and change, ran like a four four one during his pro day. Uh, but he started uh, hasn't started hasn't started. He's been used in sort of dime packages. He's got two interceptions. He's been on the field for uh, the Buccaneers. Been very productive as a nickel safety. And you know when you get a guy like that as an as a undrafted free agent, I'm looking at his stats right here: 54 tackles uh, for the year for Isian for a guy who wasn't drafted, as well as the uh, interceptions and two pass defenses. Uh, I think he's done it. Terrific job. And that's what he showed at Rutgers. I mean, the only problem is, is he's really short, but he goes sideline to sideline. You know, he plays heads up football and he's very fierce. All right, Tony, I'm going to give you one more guy here. And there aren't that many 28 year old rookies in the National Football League. <laughs> but Cowboys kicker Brandon Aubrey has been unbelievable this year. For people that don't know his story, he went to school at Notre Dame. I believe he won a national championship playing soccer for them. 
uh, ended up running around. His wife tried to get him to go kick, you know, NFL footballs instead of soccer balls. He goes for he goes to the XFL, all these other small leagues, winds up with the Cowboys. All he's done this year, Tony, is go 31 of 31 on his field goals, including eight of eight from 50 plus. He's made one from 60. And that one he made from 60, it looked it hit the net. It looked like it would have been good from 70. This guy has been the best kicker in football and just an absolute revelation as the Cowboys place kicker. It's an unbelievable story, and he's just been phenomenal this year. It's ridiculous. And, and he originally signed with the San Francisco 49ers, and the Niners cut him. And then the Cowboys I didn't realize him, that. Wow. The Cowboys picked him up of the waiver wire. And I, I, I guess the moral of the story here is listen to your wife because <laughs> you know she knows she knows what's best for everybody of course she knows you know your wife knows that too your wife will tell you that too but uh, listen to your wife as uh, Brendan Aubrey's uh, Brandon Aubrey's uh, will tell you yeah, just an unbelievable story, unbelievable rookie year for him. All right, let's go through a few things, Tony. Tony, we're getting some bowl, bowl games coming up here. Uh, we had the Toastery Bowl already happen, which, you know, obviously there's a lot of tradition there, you know, there you a go. lot of excitement for that. Uh, one game I know you wanted to mention, which has some interesting players in it, is Troy visiting Duke in the Birmingham Bowl. And there are a couple players here, including one that's going to be in the Senior Bowl. Well, Graham Barton, the left tackle for Duke, he's a very athletic guy, six four and a half. Just, just under 310 pounds, probably going to run under five at the combine. He's an athletic pass rusher who's going to be kicked inside the guard on Sunday, and it's probably going to be using his own blocking system. I heard at the senior bowl, Tony, they're going to put him at center a little bit too to see if he probably can do that. Yeah, and, and, the, and the better he does at all the positions, the more his stock will, will rise because the more value he has for teams. Now he's going up against Troy, and Troy has a pair of outstanding pass rushers to keep an eye on. Javon Solomon, I've not seen his name on any of the uh, the postseason All-Star games. I may be missing that, but Javon No, actually, it was announced a couple days ago. He actually accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl, so he will be in Mobile. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Troy, he goes to Troy. Troy's in Alabama, so a little hometown flavor there. I mean, this is a guy who is he's athletic, he's explosive, makes a lot of plays up the field. I think he's more of your traditional 3-4 outside linebacker. I think he's a little bit more than just a pass rusher. It reminds me a little bit of the – excuse me, the kid from Appalachian State last year that went in the third, fourth round that we saw at the Senior Bowl. A little bit undersized, but very athletic, makes a lot of plays up the field. And they have they have another kid by the name of Richard Jubinor, 6'3", 233 pounds, went back for a, another senior season. Both of these guys are real good up-the-field type guys who get a lot of pressure, who can uh, create a lot of havoc. It's going to be a good matchup against Barton of uh, Duke going up against the, against these two guys. Couple of declarations over the past week, Tony. I don't think we mentioned Jeremiah Trotter Jr. He did declare from Clemson. Uh, Leonard Taylor from Miami, the defensive tackle, who we've talked about, he declared. And then the big one is Jaden Daniels put out his declaration as well uh, that he's leaving LSU and going into the NFL draft. No word of whether or not he's going to go to Mobile at the Senior Bowl, which I think would be smart if he did. Right. And we've seen, you know, guys like Justin Herbert go there, guys like Baker Mayfield, like really good quarterbacks have gone there. And I think. That could help solidify him. You know, I think he's seen as a top 15 pick right now, but could he be a top 10 pick, a top five pick? I think doing mobile would would help that a lot if he decide to go that route. It's kind of it's kind of an interesting situation because if his team, if his agent is getting feedback that Daniels is already a top 12 pick, I doubt we see him at the senior bowl because I, you know, he's not gonna bypass Caleb Williams or Drake May. No. So if they're pretty 
certain that he's going to be a top 12 pick, they're probably not going to go to Mobile. There's no reason to go to Mobile. The other thing with the, uh, you know, with, with the senior bowl is with the quarterbacks, it's at basically every position, players and specifically their representation, their team have to know what the players' limitations are because you can't go to Mobile and basically bomb. Because if you go to Mobile and you bomb, you're going to go in the other direction. You go from a top 12 pick to, you know, bottom of round one pick. So they've got to know, they'll know what they're going to be asked to do in Mobile with the pro, uh, pro style passing. Is he capable of that? So you've got to look at it. I agree with you. you got to look at it from both sides of the spectrum. I agree with you. I think, especially at the quarterback position, Phillip Rivers, we can go on and on and on. Guys, you know, Donovan McNabb, through the history, who went to the senior bowl, just had great weeks. Mac Jones. Daniel okay. Jones, right? You know, uh, had great weeks and, and watched their draft stock go through the roof. I think that opportunity is there for uh, Caleb Williams, especially since we're not going to see um, – uh, for uh, Jaden Daniels, especially since we're not going to see Caleb Williams and Drake May there. Um, it's a, it's an interesting decision, but I think what will happen is if his if his team, if his representation is getting feedback that Daniels is – you don't want to say a lock, but very likely a top 12 pick, we won't see him in, uh, in Mobile at the senior ball. Yeah, and we Drake May has made his declaration correct, but we have not seen anything from Caleb Williams yet or Marvin Harrison Jr. So those are a couple of the big names that we're kind of waiting for in terms of official declarations. Uh, Tony, a couple Senior Bowl um, acceptances that I want to talk to you about. Two big offensive linemen, and this offensive line class at the Senior Bowl, Tony, is looking like it's going to be somewhat special. We're probably not going to see Alt or, or, or Fashanu there. Uh, now, you know, you can, I guess they are underclassmen, right. so like they can be invited. I'd be surprised if either one went, I hope they do. We'll see. But, you know, we talked about a couple offensive linemen last week that accepted their invitations, but Tyler Guyton and Talisi yeah. Fuaga both accepted this week. So you're looking at, those are two potential first round picks, uh, Guyton out of Oklahoma, Fuaga out of Oregon state. We're going to, and you mentioned Graham Barton already. That's going to be a heck of an offensive line group in mobile. Well, I just handed in, I just sent in uh, my first mock draft at Sports Skeet. It was, oh, it was, look at it that. Was, it was a top 19 draft. What I did was I didn't go through all 32 teams. I just did teams that were 500 or below, okay, okay? because you don't know what's going to happen. And both Guyton and Fuega were in my top 19. Guyton is a player from the offensive tackle from Oklahoma that is loved in some areas of the scouting community. I mean, there were there was talk about him from some scouts, not everybody, of him being a top 10 pick back in Ooh. October because he's big, he's mobile, he's athletic, he's just unpolished. So there are scouts and, that have him as as the third offensive lineman in this class then. Correct. Behind Absolutely. And I and I have him as the third offensive lineman right now. Mm -hmm. Fuego, we've talked about him a couple times. I think he's he's going to be a top 20 pick because everybody talks about the uh, the quarterbacks offensive tackle especially these days is a, has always been a priority uh in the draft. He's a right tackle but he's very athletic. He's strong and he's powerful. But he's not a stiff right tackle. He's not one of these small area right tackles that you've seen in the past. He can get out on the second level. He can pass block. Uh, and again, for both of these guys, I mean, you know, we see it in those one-on-one -on -one drills all the time and through our binoculars as we're sitting on the 50-yard <laughs> line. If they do well against the smaller pass rushers, you know, their draft stock is, is going to shoot through the roof. You know, Dewan Jones just didn't complete – complete the process a couple of years ago uh, last year, I should say. But if he did, he would have been a very early pick based on what he showed in those one-on-one -on -one pass blocking drills the first day of senior bowl practice. All right, Tony, I am now going to list the other acceptances that the senior bowl has announced uh, on Twitter. 
you don't have to comment on all these names, but pick out one or two that you think are significant and you can knock them off. And I'm going to butcher some of these names. So I apologize ahead of time. All right, here we go. We got a uh, defensive back out of Kentucky, Andrew Phillips, uh, Tanner Bartolini, offensive lineman out of Wisconsin. We know the history of that program and developing offensive linemen. Johnny Dixon, defensive back out of Penn State. Uh, Andrew Rame, offensive lineman out of Oklahoma. J.D. Bertrand, linebacker out of Notre Dame. Justin Eboigby, defensive lineman out of Alabama. I probably butchered that. Long snapper conversation. William Mote out of Georgia. Look out. We mentioned Javon Solomon out of Troy. Uh, Edifanu Olufoshio, linebacker out of Washington. Uh, Brandon Dorless, defensive lineman out of Oregon. Jalen Ford, linebacker out of Texas. Theo Johnson, Penn State tight end, and Nathaniel Watson, linebacker out of Mississippi State. All those guys accepted invitations this week. Take that any direction you want, Tony. Let's go with the two Penn State guys. Theo Johnson is a guy who's he's got great size. He's got great athleticism. His production has been garbage. I mean, he you, you when you look at the size speed, he looks like a top 75 pick. When you look at the consistency on the field and the production, he's more like a UDFA. So let's see what we get at the uh, in Mobile. Johnny Dixon is interesting. I've always liked Johnny Dixon. I've always thought all along that Kalen King, their one cornerback, has been was overrated coming into the season. And we saw he did not play well this year. And Johnny Dixon is an underrated cornerback. The question with him is speed. So we're going to watch him, uh, you know, in those deep pass drills. And then the uh, the linebacker from Washington, whose name I won't even attempt to pronounce. Olufoshio. He, <laughs> he was a real good player for two or three years at Washington, suffered a significant injury, and is on the mend. He is a terrific inside linebacker who's got solid cover skills. He's a good run stuffer. Um, it's going to be it's going to be one of those things where how does he do in the coverage drills against the uh, against the tight ends, against the running backs? Remember the kid from uh, Washington State whose name escapes me right now uh, last year, who was just outstanding. The linebacker from Washington State who's outstanding in those coverage drills and really elevated his draft stock because he was staying downfield 25, 30 yards with the running backs, with the tight ends, and doing a great job in coverage, knocked away a couple passes in the end zone. That's what you want to see from the linebackers. That's what the Washington kids got to show when he's in Mobile. Yeah, absolutely. And the name of the Washington State player escapes me as well, but he was really good in coverage and he ran really well at the Combine as well. All right, we got a bunch of questions. Tony still coming in on Twitter, so we'll get to as many of these as we can in the next 10 minutes or so before we say goodbye. Um, a couple questions from uh, Emilio. We'll get to this first one. Yeah, just just, just Dalen yeah. Henley. That 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 name was going to kill me. Dayon Henley was the was the uh, Washington State linebacker taken in the third round by the Los Angeles Chargers. There you go. Thank you, um, Emilio. This question from him on Twitter: How good is Malik Neighbors? Um, do you think he's going to be worthy of a top ten pick in this year's draft? No, I think he's a very nice uh, wide receiver. But as we've talked about time and time again, he is in my top 19 in, in the uh, my mock draft of Sports Skeeter. But you're asking top 10, you know, is there a team in the top 10 that's going to need another receiver? As we've talked about before, it's Marvin Harrison and everybody else. And I think Malik Neighbors is the first receiver of that group of everybody else. But I don't think he's good enough to be a, a top 10 selection. Would you have him ahead of all the wide receivers in last year's draft? Um, That's a question from me, not from Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So Jordan Addison, Jackson Smithin, Jigba, Quentin Johnston. Uh, I, th I think those are probably the top three you had there. Yeah, I'm going to say now I was partial to Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Uh, I had him rated higher than most. 
Uh, I would not put Malik Neighbors ahead of Smith Nijiba. They're different types of receivers. I mean, yep. uh, Smith Nijiba is just a tremendous route runner, where Malik Neighbors is probably more of a better vertical threat, more of a better downfield pass rusher. But I would have Smith Nijiba rated higher. Then again, I was very partial towards him. This question in from at Big Blue Hope. What do you think it would take for the Giants, and I'll ask this to any team, to move up to the first or second spot in the NFL draft to get a quarterback? And my my initial answer here, Tony, is that, first of all, the teams that are in the one and two spots have to not want a quarterback. Because if they want a quarterback, yeah. they ain't going anywhere. They're right. sitting and they're picking. So that would be the first thing I say uh, to that answer. But if, let's say, uh, the Bears decide to roll with Justin Fields, right? And they are willing to move that pick if they're picking first with the with the Panthers draft pick. I got to imagine there's going to be a line of at least a half dozen teams offering their house, their vacation house, maybe a child if they have one of those <laughs> in an effort to move up to one, considering the the skill level of the top two quarterbacks in this class. So that is going to be a bidding war and it is going to be expensive. What is it going to take? It's probably going to take a lot more than what the Carolina Panthers had to pay last year because Caleb Williams and Drake May are much higher rated quarterbacks than Bryce Young. Yep. Uh, probably, you could probably say they're much higher rated quarterbacks than Justin Fields. So it, it's a situation where I agree with you. You know, If New England's sitting there in the two spot, they're taking a quarterback. If Chicago somehow decides they're going to, they're going to roll with Justin Fields, uh, I think that their asking price is going to be much higher than what they got from the Panthers last year, who made that move up to get Bryce Young, even though, you know, you're, the, the Giants right now, you're looking at one, two, three, four, what, five, uh, fifth or sixth pick. It's not going to be as big of a jump. Yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at minimum of two ones and a really good player or three ones if you're not going to send a good player in the deal. So that is going to get very, very pricey. At Lofton 06, and this is the perfect question for you, Tony, because you're the president of the fan club. Chop oh, Robinson looks much smaller than his height weight, and his arms look too short. Am I missing something? Watch the film. You know, again, we just went over a bunch of defensive rookies who, you know, fell in the draft or weren't even drafted because of the fact that they didn't have those measurables. I mean, Chop Robinson is a guy, he does look a little bit small. You know, if his arm length is 32 inches versus 34 inches at defensive end, you know, or as a pass rusher, it's not a huge deal for me, as I say, versus if he was a left tackle. Uh, but the guy is just a disruptive force. He's not a wide edge rusher. He's not just a guy that runs wide around the offensive tackles. If we watch him play, he has an inside move. He'll slice through double team blocks. He gets out into space and makes a lot of plays. He can drop off the line of scrimmage. And I mean, he, and he's been a consistent force and his game is ever improving. So yeah, I want to see what his height and his weight is. I mean, unless his arms are 28 inches, it's really not a huge concern of mine uh, between a guy who's got, you know, 34, 35 inch arms at the defensive end and uh, versus say 30, uh, 33 inch arms. All right. This at John underscore Latini. Where do you think a good spot for Zach Zinter could be coming yeah. off of the fact that he broke his leg at the end of yeah. the year? He might be the draft's best guard. Uh, Tony, how do you think that injury affects where he might get picked? And and and, 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 and even before the injury, where did you have him going? And before the – well, let, let's go back. He said he may be the, the draft's best guard. There are some people who like him as the best uh, guard in the draft. A lot of people – I have uh, Cooper Beebe, great as my highest uh, – my highest graded uh guard 
a lot of people like uh, Troy Fanadu, uh, Fatanu of uh, Washington, uh, the, their left tackle who projects to guard as their number one uh, guard. Different types of players. Fanadu is more of your zone blocking guard. Cooper Beebe, Zach Zinter are more of your power gap blockers. Now, before the injury, I had Zach Zinter as a second round choice. Obviously, going to have to wait and see what the medicals are. But I think, you know, is he going to play in 2024? When will he be ready to play? Because remember, that injury happened, what, December 1st or whatever it was, against Ohio State. I'm sorry, the last weekend in November, the Thanksgiving was early this year. So that was a late injury. Uh, you got to wait and see when he's going to be able to play. You got to see the degree of the break. I think right now, you got to look about maybe fifth round area if – he checks out medically, and they think he, there's a chance he can play late in 2024. Maybe he moves up to the fourth round. Third round is also a possibility. But again, he's a power gap blocker. And gonna, when they do the MRIs, when they look at the x-rays of the break, they'll have to make their decision. And it's not the same for every team. You know, Some team will say, hey, yeah, this guy will be, be able to be on the field in October, where another team will say ah, he's not going to be able to play in 2024. All right, we're going to put a pin in this question from at MetMavs910. Who are some smaller school players we should be aware of as the pre-draft process ramps up? We will do a smaller school draft prospect show probably at the beginning of January. So make sure you come back in and you tune in for that. This one from past at past first 11, our guy Bam Bam. He wants to know how many true, in your opinion, Tony, blue chip prospects are there in this draft class? Uh, I right now, I'm, I'm looking at the two quarterbacks, the two offensive tackles, Fashanu and Alt. Um, I'll throw in Brock Bowers and Marvin Harrison Jr. So I think those are my six true blue chip guys in this class. Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> those, those are the same exact six. After that, I got Chop Robinson, Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid McKistry, Jaden Daniels. But, you know, I, I think those guys would not be considered blue chip in the sense that they've got more downside risk. I think the, the, the six guys that you mentioned, the two quarterbacks, Marvin Harrison, Brock Bowers, and two offensive tackles, those are the guys that you expect to be day one starters. Those are the guys that you expect to have an impact early on, where with your other guys, Chop Robinson, uh, Dallas Turner, they're more scheme-specific type players, where with Fajanu and and uh, Alt and everybody else, they basically are plug-and-play type of guys. So I would agree with that. All right, a couple more questions here. At NFL121 White, he wants to know, as a Cardinals fan, they're picking third right now. If they stay at that pick, do you see them targeting a Marvin Harrison Jr. or trying to pair Paris Johnson Jr. with an Olu Fashanu or Joe Alt? What do you think? Uh, I have them in my mock draft taking Marvin Harrison Jr. I think I agree with that. Know, I think, you know, Fashanu, they took Paris Johnson last year. They moved him to right tackle. You take Fashanu, you basically have two left tackles. Uh, I, I think Tyler Murray, Kyler Murray is going to be pushing, pushing, pushing hard for uh, Marvin Harrison when he eventually enters the draft. Um, wouldn't be a bad idea to go with one of the tackles. But again, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., on my board anyway, is rated much higher than any of the offensive tackles. They need a receiver. So I think it's a perfect fit where you have best player available that also fills a need. All right. Martin Gennaro wants to know, um, a couple years ago, Aeneas Williams, a wide receiver from Texas A&M, was getting a lot of buzz. His name seems to have quieted down a lot. Any chatter in regards to him? Off the top of my head, no. Um, let me look at my board here. Uh, again, off the top of my head, no. Uh, Aeneas Williams or Aeneas Smith? 
That's that's why my is a, oh well he may maybe well he wrote Williams but maybe right. he I meant think Smith. he may be talking about Aeneas Smith. Okay, okay, fine. Smith is a shorter guy, five nine and a half. Came into the season with late round grades, and right now I've got a late fifth, early sixth round grade on him. Which is there are some scouts who think uh, he's going to go. Uh, he could go early fifth. Uh, more of your receiver returns, uh, punt returner, double type guy who's really going to have to, you're looking at him as maybe a fourth or fifth receiver who's going to have to show well on special teams. All right. And then last question for today. I do have some left, so we'll get to some more next week as well. We will do a show on, on the week of Christmas if we figure out a good time to make it work. That's the plan. Uh, Logan Graffia, Jaden Daniels to the Saints. Yes or no? Why or why not? I think if he's there, the Saints will take him. But as far as my mock draft is concerned, I actually have the Atlanta Falcons who are in the same division, who will be drafting before the New Orleans Saints. That's the trick. Selecting uh, Jaden Downs before the New Orleans Saints are ever called to the board. It checks so many boxes, right? That They need to address, the, the Saints need to address the quarterback position. Every year we think they're going to take a quarterback in the first round, and then they take an interior offensive lineman or something like that. Or a pass rusher, yeah. Right, well, you know what's going on. Obviously, you know, basically New Orleans – to Baton Rouge is what? It's an hour or two hour drive. So, uh, you, you know, you, 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 you basically would have not just your Saints fans, but your, uh, your LSU Tiger fans there. It fits a lot of boxes. The question is, is Jaden Daniels going to be there? In my first mock draft or attempt in a mock draft, I had him going, what was it, like three or four picks earlier to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and look, the Saints are not shy about trading up for guys that they like, Tony, over the course of... No, they're not. They, they, they will move and they'll give up picks for years if they want to go yeah. get the guy that they want. And look, there's a chance the Saints right now, they're tied with Tampa. Tampa is the tiebreaker, but they could win the NFC South. They In could. which case, they're going to be picking like 18th or whatever it's going to be, right? So... uh a lot still to figure out here in terms of, you know, putting players with teams. We don't even know the draft order yet, which is why these early mock drafts are so tough. But it's just something to keep an eye on as we move forward. All right, I have more questions. I'll save them for next week. Uh, and starting next week, Tony, we start getting to some of the serious bowls. So we'll go through some of the bowl games. Why don't we take a closer look at your mock draft next week, too? That could be a little bit of fun. We'll do that. And a whole lot more coming your way on draft season. Tony, I'm not going to talk to you until after the holidays. Merry Christmas. Enjoy it with your family, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, John. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Happy holidays to all of our uh, loyal viewers. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for being with us, everybody. For Tony Pauline, I'm John Schmelk. Check out all of Tony's work, including his latest mock draft on Sports Kita. We'll see you next week. Happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas.